This is Updates HealthLink on air. Linda Cohen along with you. Abdominal wall hernias are the most common of all surgical problems. More than one million abdominal wall hernia repairs are performed each year in the United States. And joining us with more on all of this is Dr. Mustafa Hassan, Associate Professor of Surgery and Director of Acute Care Surgery Section at Upstate Medical University. Welcome, Dr. Hassan. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. So help us understand exactly what we mean when we talk about an abdominal wall hernia. What is it? That's a very good question, Linda. There are so many kinds of abdominal wall hernias. And funny enough, uh, there is a song by Weird Al Yankovic. Uh, it's called Living with a Hernia. That actually explains <laughs> it very well. Okay, if, so. Uh, anybody is interested. <laughs> but uh, for to answer your question, there are a very common kind of hernia, which is the groin hernia. We call it inguinal hernia. And it happens in the groin. Very, very common. That's the most common kind of hernia. And of the groin hernias, there are many, three or four types of groin hernias. And, uh, and then there is the incisional hernia, which is really, really uh, considered a, a national health problem t- to some extent. Really? And it's big industry, and, you know, there's so many devices and techniques for fixing it. But so what it, is that? You know, how does that differ? An incisional hernia is a hernia occurring at the site of a previous incision. Uh, what people don't know is that every time they have an incision for any operation, uh, they are at the risk of developing a hernia. And hernia, by definition, is protrusion of abdominal organs through a hole in the abdominal wall. So having an incision is a potentially weak spot, and that weak spot healed by scar tissue is not as strong as our native tissue. So it can develop a hernia, which is protrusion of abdominal organs, mainly intestines. So what happens, I mean, help us understand that or visualize that. You've had an incision, you've had repair of something within your abdomen, I would imagine, okay? And then you're sewn back up and scar tissue forms. And what you're suggesting is that scar tissue does not remain strong enough to maintain the the, the organs within in their place and they kind of work their way back out That's somehow? correct. That's exactly correct. Of course, not everybody who has an an incision develops a hernia, some people more than others, and some operations more than others, depending on the circumstances around the surgery, if it's an emergency surgery or it's an elective surgery, and the patients themselves. So yes, some people will develop a hole or separation of that incision or distension or stretch of that scar allowing this to happen. But it also occurs, as you mentioned, without surgery, without prior surgery. In other words, it, it, can, in a, it can occur spontaneously in some people, as you said. Correct, correct. Uh, there are some areas in our abdominal wall that are more prone to having hernias than others. An example is around the umbilicus, the belly button. People can have an umbilical hernia, and sometimes above the umbilicus. In addition to the groins where people have hernias, we can have hernias without having an operation. Right, and that really is the same concept though. There's a protrusion of some inner organ through a hole in the uh, infrastructure below the skin. Exactly correct, Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so why, I mean, you mentioned with the the issue of obviously incisional hernia that's following some weakening of the wall, but why else do they occur in in a person? Let's say an abdominal hernia. Is it because they lift heavy things, or is there a family history associated with it? Why would someone get one? That's a good question. But we do have areas in our abdominal wall and the groins. I mean, but around the uh, the belly button, as I just described, where these are potentially. Uh, weak areas or potential areas for a hernia to occur. 
Uh, as you know, we have those two muscles and the six-pack that you can see people walking around with. <laughs> but in the midline, in the middle, there is no muscle there. And around the, umbel- the, the belly button, there is a, a defect, a small defect that can allow this to happen. Not everybody gets it, but some people may have it. Is it gender-related? In other words, would you see that it happens in, more in males than in females? Or, as I mentioned, family history play a role as well? Yeah, well, it uh, depends on the kind of the hernia. Some hernias are common in, uh, in male versus females. These are the, the groin hernias. Um, but but the, overall, I mean, do you see more males getting hernias than females? or is Well, it, it, again, it depends on what kind of hernia. Okay. So if, uh, let's, if we talk about incisional hernias, anybody who has an incision, it doesn't matter male or female, can have a hernia in the incision. So it really is very dependent on the type of hernia. Exactly. Uh, so if how would you know? I mean, how does someone know that they have a hernia? I mean, it seems self-evident if you see a little outpocketing, but, I mean, are there other issues? Is there pain associated? Tell us more about that. Yeah, I mean, for uh, people usually complain of a bulge, and that bulge can be associated with pain. Of course, as the hernia progresses and gets bigger and, and it gets complicated, they may have other symptoms. If the hernia has intestine in it and the intestine gets basically stuck outside in the hernia, uh, they may have issues with um, nausea, vomiting, ability to have a bowel movement, uh, in addition to increasing pain. But the early signs are just a bulge usually and a bulge with pain. It's interesting because I was going to ask you that right after that question, what are the complications, and you're alluding to that a little bit, if, for example, strangulated bowel, if a bowel kind of gets stuck in the hernia, it can cause all kinds of complications. So it can be a very serious problem. Absolutely. It's not something very, and you mentioned in the beginning, it's a number one health problem in the United States or seen as a public health problem. Yes, it's not a number one health problem. Not there are many one. number ones, but yeah, there's many number <laughs> yes, ones. But yes, but it, it is definitely a a, a, a big uh, issue when it comes to surgical complications. Um, a hernia can get strangulated, like you mentioned, which means the loop of intestine that's stuck outside may get more stuck, and its blood supply can get stuck, compromising the blood flow to this loop of intestine, and that's an emergency. You call that a strangulated hernia and requires people to come to the emergency room and have an emergency operation. Because they, they could even have a perforation of the bowel then and, and all kinds of infection following that. And so it's it's a very serious thing. Correct. Correct. So basically, would you say that every hernia needs to be evaluated? I mean, if you were talking to the general public, would you say if someone notices this bulge with, with or without pain, it should be evaluated in some way? I think so. The, the evaluation and... and Having knowledge uh, of what we have or what may happen is very valuable. And I think, yes, every hernia suspected, anybody who suspects that they do have a hernia, have to be evaluated either by the primary care doctor or by a surgeon. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on air. I'm Linda Cohen along with trauma surgeon Dr. Mustafa Hassan, and we're talking about abdominal wall hernias and their treatment. What's the impact on a patient's health or lifestyle? In other words, assuming it's not yet treated, they find a hernia or they experience having a hernia. Does it have an impact on their lifestyle, on their ability to work, ability to function? What's your experience with that? In most cases, yes. Uh, Having a bulge and pain in the abdominal wall may prevent people from doing something they're used to doing. 
That's number one. Number two, if people have a big abdominal wall hernia, they don't have muscle in that area. So even the basic functions that we do every day without paying attention to, like getting out of bed, uh, turning to one side to the other, is sometimes difficult because we don't have this muscle support. That's for big hernias. Um, definitely a lot of people are concerned cosmetically about having this bulge coming out of their abdominal Cosmetically, wall. yes, of uh, course. You know, that's always an issue. Um, and there is always this threat of this getting worse or getting bigger or getting strangulated or obstructed and so forth. So it really is something that needs to be paid attention to, and it can interfere with your everyday functioning, as you said. It can, definitely. So let's talk about treatment. I mean... The first thing comes to mind, obviously, is surgery. But are there other? You also alluded earlier to the fact that people are selling devices, all kinds of other ways to, you know, intervene with a hernia. What you know? What's the general thinking about treatment? Well, um, I just have to be clear that not everybody who has a hernia needs an operation. Uh, some people have no symptoms from their hernias, and they may not necessarily need to have it fixed. Uh, others have a hernia, but the risk of fixing it is higher than the benefit because of their general medical condition. Um, so not everybody needs their hernia fixed. Um, How does one know, though? I guess is it location that determines it, the degree of um, uh, limitation they experience? Obviously, the, if they have other comorbidities, medical issues that would be contraindications to surgery, obviously that would play a role. But if you're otherwise healthy, how would you know whether you could handle it with, let's say, some kind of a, a, a strap, a, a belt? I mean, I know that they, they're, they offer those kinds of things. Yeah. This is where evaluation uh, becomes very valuable. That's a decision that has to be made by the primary care doctor, the patient, definitely, as well as the surgeon. Um, the hernia has to be evaluated, and the risk-benefit ratio estimated. Yeah, because it sounds like there are some people who should clearly avoid a surgical intervention, Absolutely. as you said, because of any number of potential complications Correct. that could follow it. So let's talk about surgery itself. What's involved? I mean, are there newer approaches? Are there, uh, is there new material being used, new techniques? You know, how do you approach? Let's say the, the patient is a go for surgery. What do you do? What's necessary? Well, um, of course, it depends on what kind of hernia it is. Uh, the inguinal hernias or the groin hernias are very different than the incisional hernias. Um, so uh, I will try to focus on incisional hernias because most people are not very familiar with them. Uh, there's, I mean, here at Upstate, we do have uh, an evaluation process that patients uh, go through and to see if they are uh, candidates for this hernia repair or not and prepare them for the operation. The operation, depending on the size of the hernia and the patient, may not be as simple as uh, people think for a groin hernia. Some of those operations may take four hours, uh, between three to five hours. Um, Is it the location that makes it so complex? The location and the size of the hernia and the presence of many other factors such as previous repairs. So the patient had the hernia fixed before. Do they have a mesh placed before and the hernia came back? That increases the complexity of the operation. Now, you mentioned the word mesh. Yes. Help us understand, as I mentioned before, what is there? A, is that routinely used these days, uh, some kind of a mesh that is put in place to support the abdominal wall? Help us understand what That's you do. That's a great question because um, the public know about meshes from uh, TV ads and 
messages have become very famous and the source of litigation. Infamous. Yes, <laughs> correct. But actually, it's a great invention. It has revolutionized the treatment of hernias since we started using them. And I would like to say that the use is almost routine. The question here is which mesh for which patient. And that's a decision that has you know, many, many things factored in, a decision made by the surgeon so with there, a good knowledge from the patient. So there are a variety of meshes to choose from. Absolutely. Okay. So um, basically, you, you do the inc incision, you put the mesh in place, and... What's the prognosis for repair generally? Are there complications? You know, putting aside the commercials on TV from the, the, the lawyers looking for a litigation opportunity. Yes. Well, um, the key to do this operation is to bring back in, uh, the tissue as, as they were created to start with and reinforce them with a piece of mesh, basically. This can be done with an open operation. Uh, or can be done robotically now. Oh, we used really? to do laparoscopically, but now we do more robotic uh, cases. Just It's all about selection. But the concept is to put a piece of mesh and close the muscle as well to provide adequate uh, support. So you close the muscle, but you reinforce basically that wall with that piece of mesh. Usually under the muscle or in between the muscles of the abdominal wall. Now you have a multidisciplinary approach to this. You were alluding to your program. Who's involved in this in the very little bit of time we have left, and, and what's the goal? The goal is a patient, a good outcome and satisfaction. The, the team is formed of plastic surgeons, hernia surgeons, as well as dietitians, nutritionists, nurse navigators, and the, the, the whole point is to provide good outcome, uh, low cost for fixing the hernias, and excellent patient experience. Well, that really says it all. Thank you so very much. I really appreciate your coming in and sharing this whole overview of hernias. And I didn't realize incisional hernias were as much of a problem as they are. Thanks for uh, enlightening us. My guest has been Dr. Musafa Hassan, Associate Professor of Surgery and Anesthesiology at Upstate Medical University. I'm Linda Cohen, and you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air. <laughs>